0: So wonderful to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a wondrous item. This item is a piece dating back in antiquity to prehistoric times. If you'll take a look over here in the display case, we have a collection of fossils and fossilized claws and teeth. If you look over here, this is a fossilized claw from a velociraptor. Over here, a fossilized tooth from a Tyrannosaurus rex. There are numerous fossils to behold in wonderment at the size and the mass and the grandeur of these prehistoric beasts. And therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, 65. when i first heard about 65 i was really kind of excited about it because you know we we've gotten a lot of horror films lately uh you know some fantasy stuff is coming out maybe not so much in the theaters although we do have the new DD movie coming out uh, but we're getting some more fantasy on tv and it seems like anything science fiction has been relegated to tv shows that have been canceled or netflix movies but to see a science fiction film come out in the theater. I was really kind of excited about this. And then when you take this whole concept of Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs uh, and and spaceships, I I knew there was a space component to this. I thought, okay, I'm on board. And then when I heard that Scott Beck and Brian Woods were attached to this as writers and directors. And of course, a big fan of the uh, A Quiet Place films, uh, especially that first one. They wrote the initial script. Uh, John Krasinski uh, came in and rewrote the script, but they wrote the initial script in that story. And and I really love, uh, I love both Quiet Place movies, but the first one really just had something special about it. And and to see that they were going to be attached to this writing and directing, I thought, okay, you know, you've got uh, a lot of really interesting elements here. You had this really cool sci-fi with kind of a hint of horror, Uh, just judging by the trailers. You've got that sci-fi horror feel You've got uh, a couple writers that I really respect in Beckham Woods. You've got Adam Driver, who, who you know, uh, the, the Kylo Ren stuff aside, which uh, people, uh, I, I think he, they they don't hold him responsible, but he and, and a lot of the people involved with the... Uh, the sequel trilogy in Star Wars. Everybody's kind of lumped in for, for that whole hot mess. But but Adam Driver, a really good actor. So I was really excited to, to check this out. And then, of course, you find out Sam Raimi is one of the producers on this thing and just had all the elements for being a really good movie. At the very least, a really good movie, I thought. At, at best, this is going to be great. But was it great? Was it really good? Was it even good? I don't know. Uh, we're going to talk about that, and and I suppose probably I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna spill the beans on on what I thought right off the bat because I've I've heard a lot of reviews and I've watched a lot of reviews and people are really shitting on this movie and I I don't know why it, it's like people especially people that do what I do and either review movies or or. In my case, I, I don't look at it more as of a review because I'm not trying to get you to go see it. I'm If you've already seen it, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about what I saw and what I liked and what I didn't like. I think what I do is more of a discussion about the, the films and the TV series and the books and the whatever we happen to be talking about, but I think there's a lot of people that review movies that I don't know whether they take themselves too serious and and can't watch anything just to fucking enjoy it, and they feel like they've got to watch everything with a hypercritical eye so they can point out the flaws, so they can be the one to say, oh, this movie is trash because it has this, this, and this, and it doesn't have that, this, and the other thing. Uh, It it feels like some people that review movies anymore uh, just can't sit back and fucking enjoy a movie. Like, like Dave Chappelle said, playing uh, the, the late great Rick James, enjoy yourself. I, I just don't understand why people just can't sit back and enjoy a movie. Not every movie has to be groundbreaking and mind-blowing and changing the game to be a good movie. Not every movie has to be filet mignon. It, you know, some movies can just be a fucking quarter pounder and a, a fry and a coke. So I don't know what people were expecting. Maybe maybe when you have all those elements, uh, Scott Beck and Brian Woods attached to this, Adam Driver attached to this, Sam Raimi attached to this, maybe when you got all those elements, especially when it's uh, kind of a, an action-y sci-fi, like I said, with some hints of horror, uh, especially with Sam Raimi being a producer, maybe the expectations are way too high. And I, I think maybe some people expect too much they don't manage their expectations. I, I work in radio and over the past several years, I've been working on more the advertising aspect of, of radio, uh, writing and producing commercials. And that's one of the things uh, I talk to salespeople about, managing the client's expectations as to what's going to happen, what they're going to get uh, in a commercial and what the results of that commercial are going to be. And managing expectations, I think, really applies to all things in life if you're not managing your expectations you're going to expect way too much sometimes and then when it doesn't meet those lofty expectations you have then you're going to be like you're going to be sorely disappointed and it's not that i went into this expecting the worst but i'm like okay if this is if this is just a really good movie uh, then hey, you know what that was that was 10 bucks well spent. If this is a game changer, if this is mind-blowing uh, CGI, if this is uh, you know the kind of movie it's one of those generational movies that uh, everybody's gonna be talking about for decades and lifetimes to come, uh, then geez that's that's great. It wasn't that movie. Uh, but I do think it was uh, a pretty good movie and I enjoyed it. So we're going to talk about 65. Uh, I'm going to say this right up front. There are going to be spoilers. So if you, you haven't watched the movie and you don't want anything spoiled for you, then go watch the movie first. Although I'm not going to get into every little action sequence or things like that, because one, this is a very simple story. It is a very small cast. Uh, even the dialogue isn't, isn't that much. And what dialogue you do get really isn't that revealing but i am going to talk about this and i can't talk about it without revealing things that that i enjoyed or or didn't like so uh if you haven't watched the movie go check it out come back hear what i think about the film but from here on out we are going to have some spoilers Now, one of the first things I'm going to talk about is something I probably should say for the end, but I'm not going to because I want to get this out up front. Because when I watched this trailer, I really wasn't sure what to make of it. At least the one, I think I only watched the one trailer. I don't know how many they put out, but I watched an early trailer and maybe I didn't pay enough attention to it. I don't know. But you have this movie, 65, and you have a guy interacting with dinosaurs with some sort of space component and i thought okay 65 65 million years ago dinosaurs so I, so i get that you know connection there but how is this guy who's in a distant future where there's space travel and that sort of thing how is he with the dinosaurs i thought maybe he was a an you know a space traveler from earth Uh, an astronaut or or what have you, uh, a pilot, spaceship pilot of some sort. Maybe he crash lands on a planet that is 65 million years behind what our planet is, what Earth is, and are evolutionarily still in the dinosaur era. And that's how he is. He's in this, you know, this planet with with dinosaurs and such, I thought, okay, that's that's an interesting concept. I, I I can get on board with that. But right off the bat, and and I heard other people talking about it, and I think maybe they did spoil a little, spoil it a little more in some of the later trailers. But uh, but right off the bat, uh, you see him crash land on this this planet, a- and we'll talk about the the crash landing and all of that. Uh, when we talk about the character. But he crash lands on this planet. And then when you get the title screen. It pretty much tells you right there. You get the title screen of 65. And then million years ago. And then a visitor crashes or something to that effect on Earth. It's essentially saying that this is 65 million years ago. Uh, this character is from another planet that is of course more evolved and and more sophisticated technologically than them. <laughs> of course, the dinosaurs, which would have been on Earth at that time. And he's not an Earthling. He has crash landed on Earth 65 million years ago. And that's where we get this this going. And, and I'm still, I'm okay with that. Uh, my problem is I wish they wouldn't have just spelled it out there. That was something that you could have teased or or I don't even know if you had to tease it. Um, I like the idea of them not using uh, dinosaurs that are terribly familiar. And, And for the most part, they did that, I think. I mean, there were some dinosaurs in there. Uh, that that walked on all fours. There was a a Tyrannosaurus Rex-style dinosaur that that walked on all fours like a lizard. There's these other longer, uh, skinnier, they're still big, but uh, dinosaurs that walk around on all fours. But then you had like pterosaurs, uh, pterodactyls, things like that. Uh, Later in the movie, you do get to see a T-Rex, which maybe that could have been the reveal that this is Earth and these are dinosaurs we know. For the most part, they used dinosaurs that I wasn't terribly familiar with. So I liked that, you know, it's not like they were using brontosauruses or or whatever they're called now. Uh, They weren't using triceratops or stegosaurus or anything uh, that that we're 100% familiar with as being dinosaurs here on earth. So I think they could have, if they would have, you know, doubled down a little more on that and made it seem like this, this could be earth, but it also could be another planet. That has dinosaurs on it. And then do like a big reveal at the end. Kind of a a Planet of the Apes reveal where... Charlton Heston realizes, you know, comes across the Statue of Liberty and realizes that he's been on Earth the whole time. It's just a Earth in a distant post-apocalyptic future. That would have been interesting to do it where this guy we think he's from Earth, but then we realize later at a, a big reveal at the end that no, uh, he is on Earth now. He came from somewhere else and he is on Earth in our distant past. Uh, I think that would have been a pretty cool reveal that they just. They didn't even give you a chance. And this, to me, felt like this was something from the studio that they wanted to spell it out for people. So Because, you know, they they think we're all idiots for the most part. And I I just, I I think it was a horrible idea, uh, just spelling it out like that. It took away any mystery they could have built as to where this guy is. You know, like I said, could have made us think that this was an Earthling that crash-landed on some alien planet that's uh, 65 million years uh, less evolved than than we and on Earth, and they didn't even try to do that. And maybe they tried, you know. It didn't really spell anything out throughout the movie. If they wouldn't have just put that title up at the beginning, that title sequence at the beginning really spelled it all out and spilled all the beans right off the bat. And I just. There again, sounds like a studio, sounds like uh, somebody in a suit made that decision and it was the wrong decision because you really could have built some intrigue and you could have built a little bit of a mystery of who is he? uh, Who is this main character? uh, Where is he really at? And it just kind of uh, made any sort of reveal at the end that they could have done fall flat. So we're going to talk about the characters, and there aren't a ton of them. We uh, the re- only really see four people in this, and the one of them, uh, the wife, uh, Alea, played by Nika King, uh, she gets maybe all of 10 seconds of screen time and a few lines, but really not a character worth talking about because we don't really know much about her but our main character is this guy named Mills played by Adam Driver and he is a pilot and he kind of shuttles people that are kind of in a cryostasis sleep uh, across the galaxy uh, taking them to new planets Uh, I don't I can't remember if it's exploratory or or what but uh, he is an astronaut uh, or a, a spaceship pilot that, that does that sort of thing. And he has a daughter with Alea called Neva, uh, played by Chloe Coleman, who, uh, a wonderful young actress. I'm not familiar with a lot of her work, but, uh, but I've always heard, you know, good things about her and she does a spectacular job with, with the role she has, um, it's kind of an untraditional, not an untraditional role, but it's a it's an interesting role that we get to see her acting, but it's not in the in the moment. If you catch my drift, uh, if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about, and we'll discuss that here here briefly. But uh, she is sick. Uh, Neva is sick, and to pay for her her medical bills, Uh, Mills has to go on another mission and he's going to be gone for two years flying across the galaxy. But you got a lot of nice scenes with uh, the Neva and Mills character. Just in that first scene where he's trying to teach her how to, you know, blow through your thumbs and make a whistling noise with your hand. I, I can't do that. So I kind of felt, I kind of felt for Neva not being able to figure it out. But you get a lot of, of nice uh, family stuff right there at the beginning to to make you care about these characters and, and make you invest a little bit in who they are. Uh, you know, he's a father just you know, doing what he has to do, even if he has to go away for two years, uh, he's doing what he has to do to to take care of his daughter. And and there you find that you see that love between uh the family and even though it's only on the screen just briefly, uh it, it's enough to really kind of draw you in. And I think that's one of the things uh Scott Beck and Brian Woods do really well is families uh they did it with a a quiet place just what little you got to see with this family together uh at the very beginning before things went crazy uh with the one son getting killed you got to see how how this family worked together and how this family loved each other without a word even being said so so that's one thing they do really well it's it's the family unit so we get this: uh, the spaceship traveling across the galaxy. It enters an asteroid field that was uncharted, and of course, the spaceship crashes. The ship gets torn in half. Everybody dies except for the pilot Mills, or at least so he thinks. He's crash landed on this planet. He's trying to find you know any survivors, and he doesn't right off the bat he's leaving this message this SOS message for them to to send help and then he deletes it and then he he decides that uh you know uh, everyone's gone don't send help and then we see him out where he's going to commit suicide and and he ends up not doing it and that's when he finds our our other primary character a young girl named Koa played by Ariana Greenblatt And she's, again, another young actress that... I'm only loosely familiar with. I know she was in Avengers Infinity War. She played a young Gamora. Uh, I know she's done a, a few other things. And they're, again, one of those young actresses that you hear a lot about. You hear her name bandied about. And uh, a lot of good things. Uh, she was in that movie, Love and Monsters, which I I don't think I ever watched that. I think I watched all the other Monsters movies. But, uh, but you know, she, I think she does a really good job in this. And we'll talk about that character here in a here in a minute but adam driver as mills you know once he finds this young girl koa you really see those father figure instincts kick in even though he's you know he is very distant not distant with her but it's communication is very hard because she is from another area on where they live and they don't speak the same language. And that was another thing I thought was really interesting, an interesting choice for Beck and Woods because they, they like that sort of not being able to communicate in traditional ways because of the one, the oldest daughter in a quiet place is deaf and, and she can only sign. She can't speak and the family having to communicate that way and and all the problems you have with you know somebody that can't hear in a world where you have to be able to hear you know when something's creeping up behind you, uh, so you know I, I like that aspect of what they did with with a quiet place, and I like this aspect because you've got two characters that really have to work together because this is at its heart a survival movie, and they have to be able to work together, and they have to. She has to understand what he's saying when he's giving her directions, and she doesn't understand what he's saying. Now it, you know, they they work along the way, and she. You feel like she starts to understand some things. There's a lot of scenes where he tells her to do something and she doesn't understand. He tells her again and then she just repeats what he says. So you're like, okay, maybe she understands or or maybe she's just parroting what he says. I, I don't know. But but she seems to understand in the context of the movies. You know, that may be a little bit of a, a stretch but hey you know it's the movies suspension of disbelief is a beautiful thing but i really liked the the chemistry between these two actors and these two characters Uh, i really like the scenes i've seen some people say this movie is boring because there's a lot of walking and it's not good like the walking in uh the last of us well this isn't the last of us uh, the Last of Us has two characters that speak the same language, so they can communicate and they can talk and they can talk about, you know, shitty puns and stuff like that. Uh, you don't get that luxury with this, but you do have a lot of relationship building in these scenes where they're walking and trying to get to this ultimate goal that they're they're searching out. And, and I really... I really enjoyed some of those scenes where they're just being a father daughter. I love the one scene where he swats a giant prehistoric bug on the back of his neck and gets goo all over his hands. He's trying to wipe it off and and it's not working and things get stuck to his hand and she's laughing and then all of a sudden he's got this dirty gooey hand and then he's he's chasing her around, you know, uh, pretending like he's going to smear her face in it or something like that if he can. Catches her and, and it was just really cute little scenes like that, that kind of scenes you would get between a father and a daughter or a father and a son. And you got to see in dialogueless ways how these characters are connecting and how these characters are building relationship and building a rapport without an intelligible word being said between one to the other. So to me, that was interesting. I didn't find that boring. You know, you don't have to have just a bunch of dialogue to to build character. Uh, You get to see what kind of man Adam Driver's Mills character is by how he interacts with a young girl that cannot understand a word he says. You know, he's he's a dad. He's frustrated by the situation that he's in. And he's, he's scared because not only he couldn't just kill himself, now he's got a, a young girl to protect and be the surrogate daughter that he doesn't have at this point where he's on this planet uh, at the time, seemingly by himself, but now he has this, this young ward that he's got to take care of and look after. Uh, you, you feel the fear and you feel the frustration of of what he's going through, but then you also feel those fatherly instincts where he's, you know, he's doing what he has to do to, to care for this girl and make the best of a bad situation. And at times, you know, Make her laugh, make her smile, and chase her around with gooey, dirty fingers. And that was nice to see with Adam Driver because, uh, for the most part, Adam Driver, the extent of my experience watching Adam Driver on the the big screen is with the sequel trilogy. And uh, I, you know, I hate to say that I haven't watched many other movies with Adam Driver because he usually does a lot of drama and a lot of rom-coms and stuff like that. Stuff my wife always wants to watch, but, uh, but we've never, you know, I'll sit down and watch a movie like that with her or drama or what have you. we just, usually don't take the time to watch those kind of movies. Uh, she, that's usually what she's watching when I'm playing D&D on Tuesday nights or when I'm off at the movie theater watching a scary movie or or a movie like 65. But it's nice to see Adam Driver playing a role like this because he is a really good actor. And and I liked how you got to see he's a good actor without uh, without all the traditional... Uh, things that that one has to to show they're a good actor you know dialogue with other people you know this is a character that doesn't understand him so you can't really f- feed off another actor in that way so he he's got to find other ways to show his craft and and I thought he did a good job with this now our other character Koa played by Ariana Greenblatt she is Uh, a fantastic young actress because the fact that she did such a good job with so little because there again, she can't speak to Adam Driver. And whenever we hear her speak, it's in her native language that we don't understand. They don't put subtitles up or anything. So to be able to get what she wants across... Uh, without being able to vocalize it i thought she did a really good job with facial expressions with the animation of her, her body language uh, i thought she conveyed a lot of emotion and you know it was it was fun to watch her and adam driver play off one another in this kind of non-traditional way not that we've never seen a a uh, story where two characters don't speak the same language and they still have to get along and work together but it's not something you see every day but they're trying to reach the other half of the spaceship that has the escape pod and that is the bulk of the movie right there them trying to get uh, i believe it's like 14 kilometers away them trying to traverse this the uh, prehistoric landscape to try and get up this mountain And and get to this escape pod so they can get off of this planet. And of course, as you would imagine, with a world full of dinosaurs, that is is easier said than done. And they they come across various uh, various dinosaurs. There's there's one scene though where they're helping this little baby dinosaur out of this tar trap, and they they let this uh, get this dinosaur out uh, just to to run off to catch up with his herd. And then these other, were they compies or or whatever, uh, start attacking and eating it and it was just it was such a circle of life sort of uh, of scene that uh, I I just was like oh I didn't expect that I was expecting the feel-good hey we help this rescue this dinosaur and maybe he'll come back and save us in the end and no he was just gonna get eaten by other dinosaurs and that's you know that is kind of the the ultimate uh ultimate theme of this movie is survival and survival of the fittest. In a world where everything wants to kill you, you have to always be on guard and you always be ready to fight. But to complicate things, because like I said, this is just essentially a survival movie and it's a, a road trip movie, so to speak, where they're walking, you know, 14 kilometers to try and get to this escape pod and... You know, to complicate things even more, uh, we realize that, and this again would have played into the mystery of this actually being Earth 65 million years ago. We find out that uh, an asteroid, uh, a part of that asteroid belt is is making its way to Earth. And this is essentially the asteroid that is going to cause the extinction of the dinosaurs. This is an extinction level event Size asteroid and is making its way to Earth, and they are aware of this through this little, you know, contraption, this technological uh, wonder that uh, that shows them where they need to go. And it also, you know, when you zoom in on the uh, asteroid that's up in the sky, it, it tells you that it's it's getting closer to impact. But another really interesting thing I, I liked about the story is the intermingling with flashbacks and. Uh, recorded messages from the Naveen character, uh, Mills' daughter. He watched a couple videos inside the ship We got to see Koa watching some videos. Uh, She really kind of fast-tracks through several videos. And a lot of it is, you know, hi, Dad, how are you doing? This is what I'm doing. I made this, this sort of thing that he's watching. And then when Koa starts watching these videos, we progressively get to see Naveen get more and more sick until we finally get a video where Naveen's mother is is talking about how she she passed away so through this whole movie you're thinking well he's got to get off this planet he's got to get back to his daughter she's sick she needs him you see that he's fighting to to get home to his his family and then when you get the revelation that no he's not because his daughter's dead she's been dead uh she was probably dead a year ago that he's not fighting to get back for her he's fighting to save koa who is is kind of like a surrogate daughter to him throughout this her parents died on the spaceship that that crashed so he's kind of a surrogate father for her and it almost made me wonder because when we first meet him on the spaceship uh, he's waking up from just kind of just sleeping and and he's only jarred awake because the asteroids are starting to hit the ship and you almost wonder if he's known for you know uh, the better part of a year that his daughter is dead and just kind of was negligent about flying the ship and not paying attention to the charts and not paying attention to the readouts and and maybe not that he flew into this asteroid field but his negligence may have caused this ship to, to fly through an asteroid field that could have been uh, avoided. I almost wondered that and maybe it's the guilt of of causing the death of Koa's parents that keeps him going to save her to get her to safety but one of the things I was really excited about this movie was the dinosaurs and and some of the scares and you got some of the like hints of some of the scares that you were going to get in the trailer uh there again I, I get it they've got to show things to get you interested to hook you but I it feels like sometimes they give away too much but they had a lot of really good dinosaur scares, and there again, nothing that you haven't seen before in other movies. Especially, I know a lot of people, even myself, uh, really kind of compare this to Jurassic Park. In in some ways, uh, you get some of those type of, of Jurassic Park scares, where where's the dinosaur? It's dark, nobody knows where the dinosaur is, and all of a sudden you see a silhouette or a shadow, and. Oh my God! That's the dinosaur. I think that's the dinosaur, and then a flash of lightning, and you see it's the dinosaur. You got stuff like that. There was that one scene that you get in the trailer that really embodied that, where they are in this cave and the waters pouring down a, through the mouth, or you know, outside the mouth of the cave, and then you get that dinosaur that's that's right there, and you kind of hear it, uh, you know, rumbling, and then all of a sudden a flash of light, and you see there's the dinosaur, and that shit worked. I don't care what anybody says. It was creepy. It was suspenseful. They did a good job with the suspense and building the tension in these scenes. Whether I've seen this sort of scene before or not was a moot point because it worked. The scene when they're in that cave, uh, it's a scene later where there's, uh, a dinosaur in there, and you you're you're waiting for it to pop out. and and it does finally. but that that kind of fight scene in the dark where Adam driver is trying to to fight this dinosaur and you can't see anything. there's like a I believe a a flashlight that it's, you know, even in the future, flashlights you get a bang on them to get them to work sometimes to get the batteries to move just right. but uh, but that to me was it was it was suspenseful. It was creepy. Uh, there was there was a few scenes like that that really kind of played off the uh, creature in the dark aspect of, of dinosaur movies, especially stuff like this, stuff like Jurassic Park. And I did like how that scene, uh, you know, kind of going back to that scene at the mouth of the cave with the water coming down. I do like how that dinosaur Mills got some shots off on it. And kind of shot out its eye. So when this dinosaur shows up again, without with one missing eye, you're like, oh, that's the one from before. This is the you know, this is the big showdown. It was kind of obvious, but I I, I liked it. I, I thought it worked well enough that I enjoyed it, and I was like, oh, this is the big showdown. This is the finale. Um, it, it didn't. I don't know. I'm sure it probably bothered some people with better sensibilities than I, but but I I found it quite enjoyable. And that's that's one of the things I I dug about the climax of the movie. They get to the space pod, the, the escape pod, and... All of a sudden, these dinosaurs attack, and the thing gets knocked upside down. and And you're just wondering, how, you know, this this asteroid's getting closer and closer to Earth. You're wondering how this is gonna uh, this is gonna work out when this T Rex is attacking uh, the space pod or where this escape pod is being held. And then not only do you have that T Rex, you have two T Rexes come along, and Mills trying to evade and fight them. And and then when that big dinosaur comes up. Uh, that that one I was talking about earlier that had his eye shot out and the chase scene where Mills is being chased by this thing and you're like, oh my God, how he's getting farther and farther away from this, the escape pod and this asteroid's coming. Koa's all by herself and I like how they really made Koa less along for the ride and, and shows her survival type skills. Uh, she has this bone that she dipped in these, this berry juice that was supposed to make you sick but she has this sharp bone that, you know, this this dinosaur has Mills on the ground and cornered and she comes up and stabs out its other eye. And this thing is standing over top of a geyser, which I don't know if this is supposed to be the geyser from earlier in the film, uh, which that was pretty close to the ship where they were. And they walked 14 kilometers and, and Mills got to this geyser Quite quickly from just running away from the dinosaur, so uh, that I don't know if that's a plot inconsistency or if this is just supposed to be a different geyser. But anyways, this dinosaur is over top of this geyser and it goes off with boiling hot water, and you know, between that being stabbed in the eye, uh, this dinosaur falls dead. And and the effects on this were, were really gross and really good, I thought. Uh, the boiled dinosaur flesh uh, dripping off and, and peeling off was was quite disgusting. And, and we'll talk about the effects and, and some of that stuff a little bit later. But then they get back to the escape pod, and they escape before the uh, extinction-level event of this asteroid colliding with Earth, killing all the dinosaurs. And that's really where the movie ends. And I, I heard some people talking about how they wished, uh, wish they would have. I don't know what they wanted. Whether they wanted to say, uh, you know, Mills to say, "Oh, Koa, you can come live with us, and we'll be a family," or whether they wanted you to see them being rescued. I think all that stuff's kind of implied. Uh, I don't think you needed to see it. You know, that was it was a really intense. Uh, final scene. It was a really intense climax to this movie. I don't think you needed some big drawn out denouement. I think it was fine ending it where it did. So right now I want to talk about some of the special effects because I I was really worried when, you know, you're talking about dinosaurs. It's all going to be CG for the most part. Uh, I I was really worried about that because CG, I mean, sometimes even the best films, uh, Marvel and Disney have shown this, uh, the, the best films with the biggest budgets still can have some itchy, iffy CG work. And so I was a little bit uh, concerned about the CG dinosaurs that I was going to be seeing in this movie, but I have to say that I was quite impressed with the CG. Uh, Was it Spot on, picture perfect every time they showed dinosaurs. Now some of the some of the dinosaurs uh, were a little, you know, you could tell it was CG, but it wasn't horrible. And then some of the other dinosaurs, like some of the bigger dinosaurs, I thought they did a really good job with the CG on a lot of them. Uh, there again, the CG wasn't great all the time, but it was good enough all the time, and and the times they really got it right, it was really enjoyable. I thought the CG work in this was actually pretty good for the most part. And it makes sense because they had a lot of time to work on this. I mean, they began principal photography in New Orleans uh, back in November of 2020, during, during the height of COVID, which makes sense because this was such a small cast and uh, it, it probably lent itself to, to filming during COVID. But principal photography started in 2020 and they've been sitting on this film and they've you know had time to to work out the kinks with the CG. And I think that's where Disney has a lot of problems. They're trying to ram out so many TV shows and movies that they're they don't give the the visual effects artists enough time to, to finish their their CG work. And I think that's where a lot of that suffers. I don't think they're bad CG artists. I just think don't think they're given enough time to really do it right. And And I think this is a situation where uh, they were really given a, a good amount of time to, to get the CG right. And I think for the most part, uh, the CG was really good in this movie. I also like the fact that they used uh, a lot of practical sets i mean when they're walking through the woods they're walking through the woods when they're you know running here and there and and in caves it's sets but it's a lot of practical sets you didn't see a lot of green screen work or a lot of you know cg backdrops or anything like that they were out in, I believe like I said they they filmed in New Orleans uh they were in Vernon Parish in Louisiana Kasachi National Forest so that always makes a a movie feel bigger than it really is when you have real people in real places I always think that adds a, a sense of authenticity to what filmmakers are trying to do when you when you have that aspect and and I really appreciated that about this movie and I thought the score was really good with this I know Danny Elfman was supposed to do the score For this, uh, you know, because he's worked with Sam Raimi. But I know when this came out, uh, it was revealed that Chris Bacon, who's collaborated with Elfman. Uh, before it was revealed that he was the composer of the score and initially they were both supposed to receive credit but uh, but they gave credit to chris bacon and ultimately elfman labeled as a co-composer on some of the select tracks so I don't know how that, uh, how that all worked out i know uh, michael Giacchino was a, a score consultant so yeah had you know when you're talking about scores you have some really heavy hitters working on this score the score is not i would call i wouldn't call it memorable uh, not like some of those memorable scores that you get from from some of these composers, but but I thought it was a really good score. Really helped, and I think that's ultimately uh, what I liked about it because everything worked so well together. You had good acting. You had good writing. You had a good story. It was a simple story. Like I said, it's just a survival film. They got to get from point A to point B and survive dinosaurs along the way. And and when you have a, a simple story like that, I think maybe that's why some people feel cheated because they're expecting twists and turns and maybe somebody to turn bad and <laughs> or some sort of bullshit like that. I, I don't know what they were expecting, but a simple story, simply told and, and told well. Like I said, you've got uh, you know good people working on the score that helps build the tension and the suspense, and you have writers that that know how to write tension and suspense. We saw that with a quiet place. We saw that again with sixty five. You've got two writers, and and now with this uh, directing this that. Uh, these writers know how to write suspense sequences and and creature features, and that's really what this was. It was suspense. It was creatures. It was science fiction. It was a little bit horror. You had some some really scary, tense moments with these dinosaurs. That whole what's lurking in the dark sort of vibe. You got a lot of that with this movie. You, of course, got a lot of heart with this because of Adam Driver with the reveal that his daughter was already dead, which I, I kind of wondered about that myself. Uh, so it wasn't a huge surprise, but the reveal of it, you know, adds some gravity to the situation and adds some gravity to his character and what he must be going through why he's going through what he's going through you have the relationship with mills and koa that that budding father-daughter relationship that adds a, a lot of heart to this movie as well father figure protecting a child figure you had a good bit of action this is only uh what uh, an hour 33 minutes and it never really felt long to me there again i think some people I don't know what they expected, but they they got bored easily, and I think a lot of people, or at least some people, felt that you know it felt every bit of an hour and a half. I, I don't think it did. I I thought it went by pretty quick. Uh, I I enjoyed the pace of the movie. It it didn't linger too long on the non-action scenes but you know give you some time to breathe after you did get some suspense and then that that ending was just nothing but a rocket ship into uh, action and adventure and scares and thrills and spills and all that jazz. Now unfortunately uh, this movie had the bad timing of coming out with Scream 6 coming out and I found myself in a position where like, oh shit, I've got I've got to watch two movies this weekend. I got a lot of stuff going on. So I went and saw Scream first. I was like, well, I got to watch Scream uh, because, and for, for reasons I explained in, in Monday's episode, but uh, I went and watched that and I was like, okay, I'm going to go and watch this on Sunday and then I can talk about 65. And uh, it unfortunately came out the same weekend as Scream. A lot of people that are going to go see Horror or science fiction genre stuff, uh, we're probably going to go see Scream. And Scream's done well enough in the box office that uh, it really has shown that. And uh, I know this, the budget's really kind of, uh, (laughs) you know, I've heard everything from 45 million to 90 some million uh, for the budget. And the weekend box office, uh, or at least the box office thus far, has been about 23 million. So this movie is uh, financially a bit of a flop. But uh, there again, you had Scream coming out at the same time. But I think the, the movie is a lot better than the, the box office would suggest. And the movie, I think, is a lot better than a lot of the reviewers would suggest. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't breaking any new territory. It wasn't raising the bar of anything. It was just a really good science fiction movie with a, a hint of horror and suspense This is a movie I thought, you know, is this a movie I'm going to watch again? And I thought, no, no, I probably won't. But you know what? If it was on streaming, I might watch it. I might try and talk my wife into watching it. Who knows? It's got a lot of Jurassic Park vibes. It's got a lot of Aliens vibes. Is it as good as either one of those movies? No, certainly not. I, I'm not suggesting that it is. But you have some of those uh, some of those elements of those movies that they bring to this movie. And I thought it was an enjoyable enough movie. This was an enjoyable watch. So I encourage you to go check out 65 if you get a chance. If you don't want to watch it in the movie theater, that's fine. That's your call. At least when it comes out on streaming. Uh, I think it's definitely worth a watch. It, it may not meet your lofty expectations, but I think you're gonna enjoy it if you just sit back and let yourself enjoy a movie much like you would enjoy a a burger and fries at McDonald's. It's not gonna keep you full for very long and it's not very nutritious, but damn, it tastes good. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on 65. You can check out more on Odds Curiosity Shop on Facebook. We're always posting trailers to the latest movies and series, as well as I always like to post articles I find from all over the internet on the movies, uh, genres that we love, horror, fantasy, and science fiction. I like to add my two cents as well. You can check that out on the Facebook page, as well as checking us out on Instagram. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please subscribe to it follow it like it whatever you're gonna do and share it with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction and don't forget to leave those reviews five stars would be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate that so until next time thank you for visiting odds Bodkin's curiosity shop